Hi, my name is Ian Parry and welcome to What the Future, a podcast produced by Future Leaders Mentoring. Today we're chatting with Valjee Cole in one of our expert fireside chats. This week we're discussing diversity, inclusion and equity. Hi Balji, good morning. Good morning Ian, nice to be with you again this morning. Yes, absolutely, it doesn't seem that long ago that we were recording our last podcast um, about about you and today we're talking about your mission and 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 you know what you, what you what your real passion is so I'm really looking forward to getting into this so remind us about your role um, and the types of projects that you get involved with please yeah so um in a nutshell my sort of that mission that you spoke about there Ian is very much just to you know, I say just, um, just to make the um, our working environments and our society a much more fairer and accessible and equitable place for everyone. You know, that when we talk about diversity, inclusion, you know, we are talking about everybody. Uh, so how do we make everybody's experience, um, you know, a much more positive one, uh, one where they do not feel that they are diminished or minimised or, you know, felt to... Um, or feel small in that process. So uh, that's the sort of overall uh, goal. Uh, and within that, I do a number of things. So I work with organizations in the main, um, and I and I do three things. I do audits, audits of, of their culture to identify what their baseline is, where their gaps might be, and where they actually want to go as an organization. So assist with audits, look at their policies and procedures from that diversity inclusion lens, um, I do consultancy, so that could be something like, you know, can you sit on our board as a critical friend? So I am a critical friend to a number of organisations. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be about writing policies. Generally, you can get, I mean, chat GPT does the job for us nowadays, doesn't it? You <laughs> get that sort of generic policy. So how do you make it bespoke and how do you make it real and alive for the organisation? So it's meaningful. It's not that document that's just sat on the shelf gathering yes. dust. So, um, you know, that could be another piece of consultancy. And then the third arm is this uh, sort of training, learning and development arm, which is very much around how do I build uh, that consistency of understanding in this area across everybody in the organisation, not just silo to HR, not silo to that diversity and inclusion officer, but how how does this become everybody's responsibility? And how do we uh, engage people in raising that awareness and getting that deeper understanding of this subject matter? Mm. Not just that surface level. I think everybody has a surface level understanding. You know, we're all in society reading and observing things, but how do we get that deeper level of understanding that we need to have those more nuanced conversations in our organisations, which is advancing uh, equity and inclusion and accessibility rather than just paying it lip service. So my work really does go deeper in terms of really shifting organisations from where they are to where we need to be in order to make that real difference, both in society and in our workplaces. That's cool. And and I can can see why that's such an important role um and it's and it sounds like it could really build um build up from you know from company to company as you're going from one place to the next but i i wonder have you have you ever sort of said no to a project because the 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 idea of what they're trying to do it just kind of flies in the face it's a bit of a tick box exercise or 
do you do you find yourself worrying about that when you arrive on a, on a new project? Mm, that's, a, that's a good question, Ian, because you know, for me, that's almost the um, the one thing that makes the difference as to whether I work with a client or not. Yeah. So, um, you know, I do need organisations to take this seriously. I do need organisations to be authentic in this space if they if they're going to work with me. So I totally appreciate that organisations might have minimal budget, might have other constraints, can't release their, you know, uh, people for X amount of time, whatever that might be. And obviously I'll work with organisations to maximise, you know, what they get from me. Um, but I do need people to be genuine in this space. I do need organisations to, um, you know, ensure that they're putting, you know, um, their people first, really. Mm. Uh, and that isn't, you know, as you say, this lip service. Um, so in the work that I do with organisations, I do have lots of conversations to, you know, scope out what we are looking to do. Um, and in that, I will be asking lots of, you know, exploratory questions, uh, and I will be looking uh, beyond surface level and understanding really skin deep where are the values where do those values sit in this space how committed are they to really advancing this area or is this just about jumping on the bandwagon doing what everybody else is doing making themselves look good seen as a reputational asset so let's just put everybody through some some kind of a process really yeah, um, yes. so that we're doing something in this space so no that doesn't work with me at all and organizations <laughs> that have worked with me know that I do push people push people outside of their comfort zone yeah. in order to really understand where their values lie and what kind of culture change program they want to uh, you know deploy for their organization oh, great okay understood so so let's let's get ourselves all on the same page now then so what's your, you know, how would you describe diversity and inclusion so that we're all kind of talking about this from the same perspective? Yeah, there is a bit of a sort of a treadmill when it comes to, you know, uh, what do we refer to when we're talking about diversity and inclusion in its broader sense? Um, and absolutely, language is important, you know, understanding the concepts and ensuring that you are you are selecting the concepts that are relevant to your organization. I do believe that's a valid piece of work for organizations to do. Um, but essentially, at the end of the day, it is about the actual work that's happening in organizations uh, to shift mindsets, to shift cultures, and really think about some of the power dynamics that are at play in our organization. So um, whatever you end up calling it, um, you know, as long as we've got, uh, you know, genuine work happening in organisations. So when we talk about diversity, what are we talking about? We are talking about that difference in an organisation. So we are essentially talking about the range of people, the diversity of those individuals. And we are talking about, you know, skill sets and perspectives that people are bringing to an organisation, as well as the demographic diversity. Because I think there is been a little bit of a uh, a uh, detachment from mm. the original essence of diversity. So when we talk about diversity, when we talk about diversity in its original sense, we are talking about those demographic characteristics, those aspects of social identity, like race, like gender, uh, like sexual orientation, like disability. And I, I do feel there's a little bit of a danger at this moment in time, we are moving, some organizations are moving into territory, which is very much about diversity of thought, which is absolutely valid. Talking about the difference that people bring in terms of their perspectives and skill sets, et cetera, experiences. But we mustn't detach 
from the original meaning of diversity. Um, so when we talk about diversity of thought, we should very much be talking about diversity of thought and diverse representation with regards to all those uh, aspects of social yeah. identity, demographic aspects. Um, I think on the back of Silicon Valley, the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, there was this big uh, debate and narrative that emerged in that you know diversity in terms of that uh, identity diversity didn't matter because mm. they did have a diverse representation in terms of their board and senior level, but yeah. yet they collapsed. So really what we're looking for is diversity of thought as opposed to diversity of you know uh, identity. And I disagree with that fundamentally. This is about both. This is about diverse representation, which in itself brings that diversity of perspective to an organization. Yeah. And yes, we can think also think about that diverse um, you know, experience and uh, perspective and skill set we need in order to keep the organization sustainable. So the two go hand in hand. So I really do want to make that point because I do see a lot of it's all about diversity of thought and you know, nobody's talking about that diverse representation. Yes. So, um yeah, so that's diversity. Okay. And then inclusion is very much about the feel. You know, this is about how people are respected and valued in the organization. So this is very much about leveraging that diversity. Mm -hmm. um, and again, complementary. Um, we do talk a lot, a lot more about equity uh, in this space. So we talk about, you know, how do we ensure that we are leveling the playing field? We are understanding those individual needs and requirements. And we're making every effort to support every individual. So equity, uh, you know, is definitely more um, talked about nowadays. And then um, we mustn't, again, forget about equality. So, you know, when we say, you know, I, I now sort of um, almost, um, you know, sort of bow to myself as diversity, equity and inclusion. So keeping up to date with sort of more relevant, up to date language. But yeah. in that, we mustn't forget about equality, which is very much paying due regard to those barriers and that discrimination that, you know, certain cohorts of people yeah. uh, do face so all go hand in hand i don't think there's one that is more um you know paramount than the other yeah. um because sometimes we do talk in that language as well you know we've got to do inclusion first and then diversity will follow my take on this is you know they're all equal uh, they're all important and we should be paying due regard to all of these because i understand the point about having an inclusive culture and only then is it worth getting diverse people in. Otherwise, there's no point if they join an organization and then the culture mm. is great. But equally, if you're in an inclusive culture and I look up and I can't see anybody that's, you know, represented, it can't see an equal representation, that yeah. in itself is very telling and very marginalizing for me. So really, all of them are important. Yes. What okay. I say. Um, so, so to kind of summarize a few of the things you've said there and you know, really pick me up if I'm if I'm getting this wrong because it's super important. But I, I like I like the idea that language is super important, but it, it sounds like it's the deeds and the actions that are, are probably more important then. Um because you I, I guess you could use the wrong words, but if your actions are, you know, creating a, a legacy environment and doing all the right things um is it is it probably better to be doing the right things rather than talking about doing the right things and having a a form that has the right language on it but the culture doesn't really resonate with it is that have, have i kind of understood that correctly 
Yes, I, I think you're right, Ian. Obviously, at the end of the day, I'd rather have somebody, you know, have those deeds and actions in place rather than all the rosy words. Yeah. Um, but equally, I would say that doesn't mean that I am underestimating the power and the value mm. of relevant, up-to-date uh, language, yes. uh, because language and uh, you know concepts, terminology in the workplace, you know, can create those in-groups and out-groups. Mm. We want everybody to be part of an in-group, feel that they belong, and language is quite important in terms of creating that positive experience for everyone. Yeah. So, so yes, yes. Absolutely, uh, but not underestimating language. Yeah, no, I totally, totally understood. Um, and and it, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because it, you know, I've I've certainly been part of organisations where you can feel like you're not part of the in crowd, and that's not necessarily a cultural thing. It might just be that you know you you just don't feel that you're part of that inner circle that that team, and that can be pretty isolating. And that's even in a in a in a kind of a small incidence like that and and I could imagine it'd be even harder to tackle if the representation isn't there and and other you know facets of, of diversity and inclusion aren't aren't operating um so that 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 really kind of resonates with me as what you said earlier around the diversity of thought kind of kind of not being if I've understood this correctly, that that sort of the the demographics almost sit above and everything else. And if you're thinking about diversity, you start there and you kind of work your work your way down. And and uh, as you as you were saying that you know diversity of of demographics are, are almost like a a lead indicator of then if you've got diversity of demographics, you should end up with diversity of thought and background in those other other areas absolutely if you give people the environment in which they can uh, leverage that diversity because often we kind of stop at getting that diverse representation and we don't look at how we leverage all of that diversity and that lived experience and create climates where mm. people can stretch beyond you know uh, their existing almost you know capabilities and skill set etc that's the that's where you get the beautiful things happen that's where you get that creativity and innovation. So mm. absolutely, I like the way that you you sort of set it out there. It's almost that, yeah, umbrella, you know. Um, you have to get your diverse representation. It's very telling when an organisation is not diverse, especially at those senior levels, mm. um, you know. So we have to be working in this area to get that diverse representation, which will automatically give us some of the diversity of thought that we are looking for. And then we kind of just think a little bit deeper in terms of, you know, what are those skill sets? What are those perspectives we're missing in an organisation? And what might we do differently to actually get diverse representation? That also brings in that yeah. diversity of thought. Yeah. I, I wonder, and I'm interested in your thought here, is it, it, could it be that the diversity of thought sort of train at the moment is is coming along because it, is it is it more comfortable to talk about background than it is to talk about gender and race mm -hmm. yeah yeah Ian yeah absolutely you've hit it on the nail my conversations with uh, senior individuals in this space um the message that I almost walk away with when I've had those conversations um is the starting point for those conversations was very much a very comfortable space for people it is so much more palatable um, when we think about diversity of thought. 
Um, and when we think about diversity of thought, it's almost like saying, well, that encompasses everyone, you know, it, you know, not just those marginalized and underrepresented individuals. So it makes it more palatable to talk about it in that way, makes it more comfortable, as you said. Um, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that argument. We absolutely do need to be thinking about diversity of thought. Um, but we have to, we absolutely have to talk about diverse representation as well. Mm. So we have to get into that space where we have to have those, you know, challenging conversations as to why we haven't made the traction over the years. What is it about our policies and procedures and our systems and our perception uh, as in how, how people perceive us? You know, yeah. what are those barriers? You know, where are those um, almost those sort of systemic um, inhibitors? You know, and that's that's a really deep, nuanced conversation. Diversity mm. of thought for some, for some, I'm not saying for everybody, but for some, I am experienced is a little bit of a cost. Yeah, I, I can, I can, I can see that because you could, you could kind of get into the conversation and kind of say, well, we've got, you know, we've got diversity covered because we think we've got diversity of thought. Um, and it, it, going back to what you said at the very beginning around you doing audits. Of, of businesses is it, it do you do you kind of in in uh, interrogate probably is a it's probably not the right word you'd be you'd be using but do you analyze and understand the volume of of uncomfortable conversations that happen in safe spaces in in businesses as a indicator of, of moving in the right direction or is that not something that you think about yeah, so no, absolutely. In all the audits that I do, so it could just be, for example, a recruitment process, you know, from sourcing mm. to selection. You know, it's about understanding, you know, unpicking that entire process and understanding where the biases might exist, where mm. those systemic barriers might be. So in, in, in having that sort of just taking that example in its own, if I'm talking to then, you know, everybody involved in that hiring process, the hiring managers, essentially, you know, I in those conversations, you know, there there is a lot. There is a lot you pick up about individuals within an organization. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about promoting and embedding diversity, equity, and mm -hmm. inclusion, you know, I need to see that demonstrated by everybody in the organization. So where people are perhaps struggling with language or struggling with understanding, you know, what best practice might be in this space, or they might be struggling in terms of identifying where those biases and barriers are because they haven't quite seen it in that perspective, in a different perspective. Um, you know, those those are really where the values lie in this work. You know, that's where we unpick, you know, where those almost those root causes might be. Because in all the work that I do, I do look to identify the root cause of what is going on. So in order for me to suggest those nuanced solutions and strategies, I need to understand the root cause. And the root cause often, often is because people just lack the knowledge, they lack the understanding. If we have a, had a heightened awareness and a deeper level of understanding, we would look at things differently. And sometimes it's just the way that you, you know, approach a problem. And that's not a negative because everybody is where they are at in terms yeah. of, you know, their understanding. Uh, but that's an organisational's responsibility then to take people from where they are and almost move them to where we want them to be so that we are having these more complex and deeper conversations. You know, I do I do notice that we do have a lot of conversations in our organizations, but they're almost again that sort of service level. They're almost done in that like little bit of a clumsy way, you know, like everybody has got a perspective and of course everybody's perspective is valued, but it's not bedded in, mm. you know, that sort of um grounded understanding, you know, of some of the dynamics and the concepts 
and the evolving landscape. So mm. that's an organization's responsibility to ensure that everybody is moving in that direction. So yes, when I'm working on any process within organization, um, having those sort of uh, you know valuable conversations, eye-opening conversations is key for me understanding where some of those issues for that organization challenges might lie. And then I'm able to obviously work with an organization um, in that space. So, um, so yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So if I'm listening to this podcast, um, I've understood the mission, I've, I've understood some of the nuances in there and some of the, almost like the the, the value hierarchy in, in what we're talking about. So you've got me hooked. How do I, how do I start? So I'm a, I'm a, I, I, you know, I'm, maybe I'm entry level in an organization or I'm a team leader or, or, or even a senior manager. I want to get involved. What are the, what advice would you give somebody listening to this as to where to start to get involved in this mission? Mm. So if we're talking from an individual perspective rather than the organizational perspective, from an individual's perspective, the starting point has got to be that enhanced knowledge and awareness. Yeah. So how does an individual go about doing that? Ideally, the, you know, and I do believe this is an organizational responsibility, you know, what the organization provides in terms of, you know, that learning and development is absolutely crucial for individuals to be engaged in. You know, this is everybody's responsibility. You know, sometimes you can ring up an organization and say, can I speak to, um, you know, can I ask some questions around diversity inclusion? And they'll say, oh, we'll put you through to HR or whatever that might be. Now, if this is everyone's responsibility, to whatever extent it is, that individual should be able to engage with me, you know, to, to give me some information about the policies and processes that might exist in the organization, to give me an understanding as to the values and how the organization promotes and embeds and lives those values, something around the kind of work that's being done. You know, if I'm a candidate, for example, looking for a position, you know, that's the kind of conversation I want to have. Immediately mm. when somebody says, oh, oh, yeah, no, that's over there, sits over there with those individuals that in itself is really telling to me mm. so this is about everybody in the organization having that level of um you know uh, inclusion capability and that um competency in this area yes so this is a, absolutely a journey because this this area is, is fast-paced it's evolving all the time so it's about how do i keep my ear to the ground and understand what's going on in this space so that you can do through, obviously, you know, just engaging in, 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 in the public arena in terms of, you know, documentaries and books and engaging in those kinds of conversations. So we can get that sort of somewhat of an enhanced learning through, through that uh, method. Um, but then we want to kind of, you know, take it that step up, really. You know, you know how, do, how do I really, you know, if, it, if it's around, say, I don't know, it's about disability because I have a disabled colleague on my team. You know, mm. what do I do specifically in that space? And then it's about reaching out to those more, um, I'm going to say, intellectual resources that are out there. So those community advocacy organisations in this space that will offer so much material and resource in this space, TED Talks that exist, you know, um, LinkedIn live shows, webinars. You know, I'm doing this webinar with you. I have a series of podcasts and webinars and LinkedIn live shows I do in this space. And there are plenty of others. So mm. how am I engaging with individuals where I'm getting that more nuanced understanding? And what I would encourage people to do is to get that more nuanced understanding in this space. Um, and then engaging with people, I think, is great, Ian. Mm. Um, you know, this 
this you can get a certain amount of knowledge through those you know um uh, documentaries and books and resources out there absolutely but that tacit knowledge with that sort of intercultural understanding you only get when you interact with people that are different to you mm, yes. so how do i find out those, where those people are if i don't have them in my social circle is there somebody in my workplace you know is there somebody outside of my workplace how do i engage with people that are different to me so i can get that the power of that tacit knowledge cannot be replaced by books and documentaries you know that only takes you so far so that's something that individuals um can do for me if you're looking to if you especially if you're a team manager or leader in the organization you need to be able to have the skill set to facilitate conversations in this space and that's a skill set passion will only take you so far yes. your interest in this area will only take you so far this is about how we develop that skill set and that knowledge level so that we can um, not only ourselves, but also cascade some of those tools and strategies to people in the organization, to my team, for example, so that they are also are building that inclusion capability mm. as we go along. Yes. And there's, there's so many different things to unpack there. And I think <clears throat> what, what, um, what I really like is the the idea of asking anybody in an organization a question about the organization, whether it be kind of like what's our strategy or what's this or what's that. And 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 if the answer is, oh, that's in that department, then I think as you say, that's that's a pretty telling experience. And and for me it's it's less about the language that's used. It's more about whether they have an answer, whether they have a feeling about it. And I think that's a that's a really good question to be asking. And, and I guess if anybody is going through a, a process, to, a hiring process at the moment, and they get the opportunity to speak to people in the organization, if they ask a question like that, and it's, well, that's with HR, then yes, that's a, what do they call that? But probably an amber flag rather than a red flag um, and something to build on, but certainly, I like that that I've always liked the idea of inspecting, you know, whether it's somebody that's a um, you know, some of the more junior people in the organization, if they if they haven't been involved in the creation of the strategy or the policy or the whatever, then that in itself I think is a is an indicator of how collaborative the organization is. Absolutely. There's two things an organization needs to do. One is absolutely that competence. How do we raise the competence of our organization? And when we say organization, who are we talking about? The people in the organization. And the second thing is the confidence. Mm. You know, and this this area requires more confidence than perhaps other areas uh, yeah. because it's so easy for us to trip ourselves up, you know, use the wrong language, upset somebody, whatever that might be. But an organization that has that safety, you know, that psychological safety that everybody talks about doesn't necessarily build, you know, but we all talk about it. Um, you know, how do we ensure that we have those cultures where, um, you know, it's okay. Mm. It's okay for us to make a mistake and, you know, expose some vulnerability, whatever that might look like, um, because we know we're in a safe space. We know we can actually, you know, practice and rehearse it and do better uh, yeah. going forward. Yes. And and I guess if, if, if somebody's carefully listened to your answer there, you know, they're, they're going from you know, maybe a, a, a passing interest to passion, to knowledge, to something you mentioned before, becoming a passionate expert. And I think in, in, in this area you mentioned before, 
you know, passion will only get you so far. And it's that expertise where you are interested in people and you are trying to broaden your knowledge and, you know, picking up on other people's life experiences to, to really understand your topic and to get to that passionate expert level is um is, is pretty important, I think, isn't it? And this is about culture change, isn't it, Ian? Essentially, that's what we're talking about here. You know, this is about the culture of the organisation. Sometimes, again, I think that sort of diversity and inclusion is sort of, you know, this is in parallel, you mm. know, but it, but it's not. It is essentially the culture of an organisation. We are talking about the people in the organisation. We are talking about their confidence and their competence in a culture change programme, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this has absolutely got to fit with everybody. Yes. So so let's, let's think about where where we are then compared to how things have changed over the last 10 years um and certainly from from my perspective if i rewind 10 years ago we were talking about equal opportunities we were talking about you know the gender pay gap um and you know th- those sorts of topics and not judging people for how they looked and disabilities but certainly we weren't talking about diversity, inclusion and equity in any way, shape or form. How how have, how have you seen that kind of journey over the last kind of 10 year horizon? Mm. So um, organisations have definitely moved forward. And as a society, we have moved forward. So, you know, credit where credit is due. There is, you know, I'm working with some organisations that are so taking this seriously. So, um, you know, grafting, putting in the graft you know and leaning into those uh you know uncomfortable uh spaces and really looking to challenge themselves um so you know organizations such as those are are are, are shifting more than say others are um so that's all good to see you know there is a sort of genuine commitment with some and uh, we are seeing progress and we are seeing that shift in representation as well as the feel of an organization um so it there, there is lots of good progress there is lots of good progress so in terms of 10 years ago to to now um i think our understanding has evolved as you've just said we've moved more into this sort of equity space in that you know we do need to identify where those barriers are and how we level the playing field not everybody is at the same starting point due yeah. to historic marginalization disadvantage underrepresentation so, you know, there is there is work to be done in this space. And that's that's great. I think the um, I think the gen- generally speaking in society, it is very politicized when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion. It's a very politicized landscape. Mm. We know our government has lots of views and opinions about all sorts of things which all land in this space. Um, so when we talk about, you know, immigration, when we talk about you know, the grooming of gangs, say, up north, you know, and the profiling, demographic profiling of those gangs. When we talk about, you know, the uh, caricature figures that we saw in some of our shots, that the government had quite a bit to say. So, you know, the um, the narrative around that was not very uh, positive from the government. Uh, so generally speaking, it's, it's very, very politicised. Mm-hmm. Um as a result of that, and as a, as a result of some of the emotions involved in this space, we are seeing it's quite a divisive agenda sometimes in society. We yeah. have people that are pro and anti. Uh, we also see quite a bit of backlash in this area. 
So where organizations, well, one of the backlash is, you know, why haven't we made as much progress as we should have? Um, another kind of backlash might be around, you know, some of that sort of um, heightened activism we're seeing, where we're seeing protests and we're seeing walkouts, you know, at companies like you know, Google and other, you know, big outfits. Um, and then we're also seeing, you know, like Wells Fargo and Delta more in the US where we're seeing, you know, lawsuits emerge with those organizations where they had promised to do so much work on uh, as a result of the murder of George Floyd following that um, and haven't fulfilled their promises. And now their employees are actually, you know, engaging in lawsuits. So, you know, we, we're seeing it, it, it. There's a lot. There's a lot of uh, dynamic stuff happening in this space, lots of pro and lots of anti. And all of that is really important for us to take on board, as well as this point around, you know, what's in it for me? So lots of white men in the main who are saying, what's in it for me? This this space, you know, wh where do I fit? Mm -hmm. um, and if I'm going to progress in this organisation, I think I'm going to have to leave because there's, I can't see progression because all the work that's been done here is all around people that are underrepresented, etc. So this is, you know, this is it's a very volatile space a very volatile space at this moment in time. And we are a microcosm of society. Our organizations are a microcosm of society. Yeah. Yeah. All of that turmoil in society is turmoil that is perhaps happening in individuals' minds in the workplaces. Mm. So there is an onus on organizations to absolutely create those safe spaces, have conversations in this space, if you are genuine and authentic in the work that you want to do. So in, term, in, in answering your question, uh, Ian, so in 10 years, I think we have become even more politicised. That divisiveness is more overt than covert. You know, previously, because we weren't so um, candid um, and transparent in our conversations, you know, a lot wasn't being said, whereas a lot is being said nowadays. Yes. So we, we have to almost face the music and we have to kind of think about our organisations, our microcosms, our society. We need to kind of have, we have no option but to um, have space, uh, have conversations in this space. Uh, and in terms of having conversations in this space, organisations have, have moved, generally speaking, from that compliant um, uh, perspective, where it's all about compliance, um, to um, sort of more initiative-based. So organisations have a number of initiatives in this area. And it is considered to be a must-have. You know, there are many, many organisations that know that this is now a must-have. We have to do something in this space. Um, ideally, they're doing, you know, the right things and they're, you know, really thinking about, you know, return on investment um, and what's going to land as opposed to just doing things for the sake of doing things. But we have moved into this area where it is a must have um, and people have lots of work going on. But is it where I would like it to be? Ian is the question I ask myself. Um, no, we're not quite there in that where I would like to see organisations being is where they've got a lot more accountability in this space. I think we still are lacking accountability. I think we are very initiative focused, whereby we need to be outcome focused. So I see when I say to organisations, what are you doing? They reel me off all of these initiatives. Um, and I don't understand really what they're trying to achieve as an organisation in overall terms. So mm. how do we make sure that we are very outcome focused and it's the outcomes that are driving the work that we're doing, our outcomes and our principles, our values are driving the work that we're doing. So that's the space I would see, I would like to see organisations be. And that's the kind of conversations I would like for them to have. So 10 years on, yes, we are moving in the right direction, uh, but we do need to kind of almost change our approach, change our focus. We do talk a lot about equity. We've also started to talk a lot about intersectionality. 
So every organisation that is more progressive in this space is definitely having conversations around intersectionality. So how do all of these different dimensions of diversity, aspects of an individual's identity overlap and inter interplay to create those nuanced experiences and outcomes for that particular individual? So very much from that individual point of view. So intersectionality is uh, definitely coming to the fore. Um, so, so, so yes, uh, things are moving. We are developing a more evolved understanding of uh, diversity, equity and inclusion. Um, but yes, I would like organisations to be a lot more accountable and be transparent in their accountability in this space and ensure that we are outcomes focused. Cool. And my guess, if we fast forward another 10 years time, you know, let's let's hope that those kind of legacy objectives um, that, that you talk about there uh, are, and and I would hope that we're getting closer and closer to this being a fact based conversation rather than a political conversation, um, and how um, people get scared to have some of these conversations or scared of the impact on them personally if they are. A majority um, and they're feeling worried about what this means for them and, and, and their career and how we can move away from those fear-based discussions and conversations into a fact-based you know what does what does this mean for the business what does this mean for business and industry in general and the benefits and the value and the return on investment actually for organizations that are doing this well as I often think the organisations that are doing this poorly, you know, set the set the discussion back as much as the people that aren't doing it at all, because it's it becomes then the example um, for um, some political organisations to kind of say, well, look at that organisation over there that was very diverse, and but how uh, there's lots of bullying that goes on there, or it's 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 a very poorly run organisation, and then becomes the example of how diversity doesn't work. And that's really unfortunate. And that must that must be really frustrating for you when you see that happening as well. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I think, I think organizations just need to have that clarity really, clarity in terms of, you know, what is their vision? Why mm. it's important to them? And I can't, I haven't worked with a single organization and I work with organizations of all sizes and all shapes. Um, across all industries and all sectors and that just makes the work very you know interesting and challenging for me from a personal growth perspective I love I love doing that having that approach um, mm. so when I'm working with organizations it is very much around why you're doing this and there is no such organization uh, that I've worked with where the why isn't meaningful you know there's the, the why absolutely has positive benefits for an organization yes. so whatever size and shape you are being very clear on what that why is, you know, understanding, you know, the day-to-day -day experiences of your people in the organization, uncovering those structural and procedural biases, because every organization will have those inbuilt. Um, and then, you know, understanding, you know, where where you want to, where are you heading and uh, to what extent do you want to achieve? Because that sort of depends obviously on the scale and the scope of an organization. Uh, so it might look very different for different organisations, but there is no organisation that doesn't have a lot to gain uh, by investing in this area. And there is an investment. So when I talk, talk about return on investment, you know, I talk talk in that way 
um, particularly so because this is going to require energy. It is going to require resource. It may require some budget um, and it will definitely require your focus and attention. Mm. So, you know, if, in order for you to do that, mm. you want to make sure you are concentrating and focusing on the right things that are going to give you the greatest return on investment. And you're not busy in this space for the sake of being busy, because I do see quite a bit of that happening. But once you have that sort of framework and there is an infrastructure, there is a framework that you can work to, then you can assess, you know, those kinds of issues that you were talking about at the end, you know, right. where where the problems and challenges <clears throat> might lie in an organization and what they can do about it. Yeah. So coming to the last question in the podcast, actually, um, thinking about the future, and we talked a lot today about vision and mission and the future and what you're hoping for. So, 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 paint a, a a positive picture into the future for us. Then, of where you know, the 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 organisations you're working with and how what you're doing is furthering the mission. What's what do you think the future looks like? Is there a goal um, that you're looking to focus on, or is it just a journey that will keep moving forward? Do you think? Yeah, I don't think there's an end goal. I don't think there's an end goal because, um, you know, we're evolving as people. Uh, we have uh, generations, you know, newer generations that are coming into workplaces. Um, as society evolves, as our understanding evolves, I don't think there'll be an end point to, to diversity, equity and inclusion. There'll always be something, uh, you know, we're talking about people essentially, aren't we? We're talking about people, we're talking about lived experience. Um, so this will continue to evolve. What I would like to see is, and it'd be no surprise that I'm saying this, I would like to see sort of more concerted efforts in this area so that we are making more traction in this space. Because we still know, you know, even those organisations that are really progressive and doing a lot of good work in this area, you know, at their sort of senior levels, they don't have the representation. They're still lacking representation and boards are even more remote for most organizations it's almost like oh we can't have the conversation with board yet you know yes. and really if this stuff has got to be lift and breathe you know it's got to be done at that sort of board level uh, and beyond so um i'm still finding organizations you know earlier on i did talk about you know organizations saying oh we've only got an hour to release our you know senior exec team for this you know discussion you know all of those things sort of jar with me because Absolutely. If you've only got an hour, I'm going to engage with you in that hour and I'm going to make sure that there's some impact, you know, in that one hour. I'm going to do my best. So you're left in a place which is better than where you started. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if we're really serious about this, you know, a response saying I've only got an hour, you know, a response saying, um, you know, um, you know, we've got budget, um, but we um you know because of maybe cost of living or whatever it is you know uh we've we've decided we're going to cut back you know um and that's okay obviously you've got to you've got to cut your cloth accordingly absolutely um but if we want to do the real work in this area that deep meaningful work then this is going to it's going to require some resources and that's not to say lots and lots of money because lots of things organizations can do themselves you know, for example, if you want to speak up culture in your organization, you don't need somebody from outside coming in to, you know, teach you how to speak up kind of thing. That's about leadership, giving people permission, 
given that it creates that environment, you know, that constant messaging, and also, you know, you know, the, the kind of framework you have when people do speak up, you know, what happens as a result of that. So, you know, some a lot of these things don't require sort of money. So this isn't all about money. So this is about understanding, you know, where it is that you do need to invest, what kind of investment needs to take place in those areas. How do you build that infrastructure? So when we talk about, you know, we spoke about the vision and, you know, having that audit, you know, what about your data? What about a strategy in this area? You know, where does your leadership sit? You know, when we talk about nuanced understanding in a very, very uh, complex, um, forever changing space, you know, how do your leaders engage with this subject matter? And then, you know, that whole point about getting everybody on board. You know, we don't want anybody left behind here. This is a culture that's got to work for everyone. So how do we invest in that learning and development? You know, some organisations say e-learning. E-learning, absolutely great, you know, but it is very much sort of a little bit of a lip service approach because it's very passive. It's a very passive form of engagement. So, yes, it has its place. But if we're talking about all the stuff we've been talking about on this podcast, you know, how do we make sure that we're giving our people those tools and those strategies that build that confidence and that inclusion capability and that competence in this area. Learning and development absolutely has a key part to play on a programmatic basis, you know, not just a one-off. Again, if you have skilled people internally, you can facilitate these conversations exactly. So there's a lot to be done in this space. Um, Ten years on, Ian, I would like to see, you know, this this other thing that I see a lot of and hear a lot of is, you know, uh, this will take t- time. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, it might not happen in my lifetime, you know, yeah. and I accept that this is challenging, complex stuff. I, you know, I'm the first to say that. But can we please attach the sense of urgency to it? Because mm-hmm. we cannot in 10 years time, me looking up at organisations and still seeing not much of a difference. Yes. Um, so there's got to be a sense of urgency attached to this. It's got to be a culture that works for everybody. It's got to be a strategic priority for the organisation. Yes. And I couldn't agree with you more on that last point. I think it's, yes, it's big. Yes, it's complicated. It's definitely scary, but that doesn't mean that it can't change. So let's stop excusing it by saying it's not going to happen overnight and just start doing things about it, actually. Um, So thank you again for today's podcast. So many different things to... um, to, to unpack there and to and to talk about and I think there'll be lots that the people listening to the podcast will will take from today loads of learnings how to get into helping your organization with it some of the things to look out for if you're going into an organization um and that, that I guess that idea of legacy and something that is self-continuing rather than a 12 monthly e-learning module that you have to do alongside GDPR and some of these other things, which, yeah, I, I think, as you say, e-learning has a place and it's something to use as a, in a in a toolkit, but it doesn't it doesn't foster those really good conversations, I don't think, as you, as you said yourself. So thank you again um, today for that, uh, Baljit, really interesting conversation and lots to lots for the listener to unpack. So thank you for that. No worries at all, Ian. I was going to say, because this is so, you know, we've just touched the surface here. You know, if anybody listening to this does want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, connect with me. And if anybody wants, you know, a 10, a 15, a 20 minute conversation, me act as a sounding board, just for yourselves to be able to shape up what your strategy in this space might look like or any other challenge that you're experiencing, then please do reach out to me. Thank you, Valjee. That's really kind of you.
So as always, thank you for choosing to listen to What the Future. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please hit subscribe and tell others about us. And finally, we know that mentoring is a hugely valuable step on the leadership journey, and we're here to help. If you feel the same way, then please get involved. Tap the Join Us button on our webpage, which is www.futureleadersmentoring.com, and follow us on LinkedIn and jump in on the discussions. But for now, goodbye, and we'll speak again soon.